This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. All right, so I've been on vacation for two weeks. First week was with my family. Second week is with my buddy Lance. And we decided that we would fly into Seattle with the intention of driving all the way home to Fresno. And uh, so we got here and landed. We went to the rental car place to rent the car, and they said they're sold out. Turns out all of Washington and Oregon are sold out of rental cars because there's an eclipse happening that we did not know about. So So I did what no one should ever do. I posted an ad on Craigslist uh, under the ride share and said that we need a ride uh, home. And so we got a ride. We're going from here to Bend, Oregon. Uh, so anyway, they're about to pick us up, a little bit terrified. And so send us your prayers for those of you that send thoughts, send thoughts. For those of you that send vibes, send vibes. I'll try to let you know how it goes. Okay. The story you just heard is 100% true, and uh, I don't know that I've ever been more terrified in my life where you have to, I mean, the, you're, the only interaction you have before seeing the person that's going to pick you up is you have a, have a phone conversation on the phone. You, it's kind of hard to gauge, like, the age and, like, if somebody is psycho just over the phone, and, and so we're wishing for the best. In fact, uh, my, Lance's dad set us down. He, like, had this, like, really serious talk with us, and he was like, boys, I need to talk to you. And I was like, we we're like, okay. He's like, if something happens and you guys have to kill this guy... Um, <laughs> he's dead serious. And you guys have to kill this guy. Please do not dispose of the body on your own. He said, give me a call. We'll call the police. We'll do this right. Like, what kind of people does he think we are? Like, right? Like, we're going to dispose of the body on our own. What kind of people do you think we are? And so anyway, we're standing there on the curb waiting for, uh, waiting for our, our ride. Here's a picture. We've got a few different photos I'll show you. Uh, we're waiting. We're, we're, we're a lot more scared on the inside than we look. We're like, what is this going to be like? And here's the car. Here's the car the guy showed up in. And I posted, if you follow me on Instagram, I was, I was kind of giving a play by like, please pray. And it got the li- I also posted the license plate, like, just in case something went. <laughs> Needed to send out, like, an SOS. Or something like that. And then uh, I snuck a few pictures. Here's Eric. Everybody meet Eric. He was, he was actually a really nice guy. Um, different is the only way I know how to describe him. But he was, he was super, super nice. And uh, he was a real safe driver. He always had his hands on 10 and 2. And so you see the white knuckle grip there. <laughs> For real. We had to make a pit stop. And he had to check his voicemails. And, and you know, it was kind of like the, the, uh, the cherry of terror on top because he had a flip phone. And, like, nothing says off the grid more than a flip phone, right? Like... Should I, should I really be trusting you with my life? Uh, but, you know, a trip that should have taken about five hours. Ten hours later, we showed up and we made it. Here's one final picture with us and, uh, and Eric. There he is in all of his glory. What a wild, wild experience. But I, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot on, on the trip. A few different things I learned. One, I learned that flip phones still exist. I didn't even know if they were around. Not, not just that flip phones still exist, but uh, CD organizers. I don't know if you know, even know what those are. Like Some people are like CDs. But used to, you'd like have a CD organizer that you would carry around in your car, and he had one of these. And there's probably like 50 CDs in there. It was, it was kind of like, kind of, hey, you want to pick out what CD we're going to listen to next? Like I didn't know that people still did that, but he did. He was a champ, though. Uh, I, he did something that I, mean, I don't know that I would do. He, he actually drove us 40 minutes out of his way from the way uh, that he was going um, just, to, just to give us a ride. And we didn't pay him for it. Uh, we helped pay for gas. But it was like just, this, just, just to do good by somebody. And, and, and if I'm honest, as, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, I was really challenged. 
I was really, really challenged. Like my, my level of generosity, like it's easy for me to give in an offering, but to have to slow down and take my time, to have to extend myself beyond myself for someone that I don't know, I was really challenged. I think the greatest lesson that, that, that I learned though is I kind of just spent some time thinking later that night is that you don't really realize how much you need somebody until you need somebody. We don't realize in our lives how much we need each other until what? Until we need each other. Isn't this a picture of what we're seeing right now in the midst of, 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 of disaster, in the midst of hurricanes? We're seeing people come together, pulling together for the sake of, of rebuilding, for the sake of rescuing. Why? Because we're realizing in this moment, if we don't pull together, things do not get better. If we don't pull together, if we don't set aside our differences, if we don't set aside our, our lifestyles, if we don't find a way to unite, this situation does not get better. Isn't it interesting in life how it seems to always take tragedy to remind us of this? I mean, rewind 16 years ago, tomorrow, 9-11, right? When our freedom was attacked. And here you had people who were just days before arguing about legislature. You had Republicans and Democrats and independents who were feuding days before. And all of a sudden, in an instant, in an instant, we're forced to do what? To drop their arrows, to come together, to join arms, to hold hands. And here they stood pulling bodies out of the rubble. Why? Because they realized... They realized all of the things that they fought about just days before, it didn't really matter because in this moment, we needed each other. You don't really realize how much you need people until you need people. Don't we see this in, 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 our, in our lives when, when maybe we have a friend or a family member that, that, that passes through, 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 through death? I, I can't remember the last funeral that I've been to where, where I didn't hear this statement. You know, this is really, really hard, but at least it's bringing the family together find it so interesting that it seems to always be tragedy, things outside of our control that finally push us to that ledge of seeing that we need each other. And yet when we look around, our lives are plagued with situations, racism, bigotry, sexism, people committing suicide, hatred, all of these problems, all of these issues. And kind of what I want to talk about, talk about today is the same way that we have to pull together in situations we cannot control to rebuild, to bring healing, to find hope, to find restoration. It's gonna be the very same way that we're able to see the things that we're believing God for, whether it be racism or envy or strife or bigotry, suicide, hatred, for those things to be dismantled. It's gonna take us acknowledging that we need each other. And this is, this, is, this is extremely difficult for us in our American society. Why? Because for us in our culture, to be independent is to be strong and to need others. To acknowledge my need for you is to be weak. It's when I'm independent. It's when I'm self-sufficient. It's when I can take care of myself. That's when I'm, I'm actually my strong. This is what we believe. I was talking with, with a friend earlier, even today. He was telling me about how he just learned that, that, a, that a family member has stage four cancer. And I was like, wow, like, did they, did they not see it coming? Like, were there, was there not symptoms? He says, no, they, they said that for the past, like, you know, f four months, throughout the, this past year even, they've, they've noticed symptoms. Why didn't, we asked, we asked them, why didn't they say anything? Well, they didn't, they didn't, they just, they just wanted to keep it to themselves. Why? Because we're taught to, to be independent, to take care of ourselves, to be strong, to take care of yourself and be independent, to not be strong. To be independent, that's when you're your weakest. That's when you're your most susceptible. That's when you're, when you're what? You're alone. To be independent is to not be strong. To be independent 
self-sufficient. All I need is me. That's when I'm my weakest. And yet our society, techno- I mean, this is what technology does, right? Now I don't have to call my know-it-all friend that gets on my nerves. I can just ask Siri, right? I can just on Google. I can just go on Google and, and figure out my, my answer to my question. Rather, rather than have to immerse myself in community and have to deal with uh, conflict and have to deal with us not seeing eye to eye and having to push through problems, now I can just kind of avoid and do my own thing. In the book of Ephesians, it kind of lays out this this foreground. I'm going to read this scripture in a second, but here's, here's the foreground that, that it lays out. It talks about the problems that we face. It talks about the situations that we encounter in our lives. For us, all of these great things that we're believing God for, if we hear about another person uh, that, that's murdered in the news or another, uh, another situation of abuse, these things we're asking, God, will it ever end? The situations that you're facing in your life, maybe your relationship turmoil, maybe your financial struggle, maybe a bad doctor's diagnosis that you got this week. And we're asking God, will these things ever end? Well, in the scripture, it's talking about the problems that we face, the problems that we face that they're not, this is what it says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, the problems or the struggle that we're facing as a nation, the problems or struggles that we're facing as a country, the problems, the struggles that we're facing as people, they're not people problems. Because we're so quick, aren't we, the situations that we face to just, man, it's just a people problem. Man, if they just disappeared, I think my life would get a whole lot better. If I never had to see them again, if they would just be done with, this problem would be, be erased. But what Scriptures is teaching us is that the problem that you're facing actually isn't a, a, a people problem. What it goes on to say is that the problem that you're facing is actually a, a spiritual problem. In other words, there's more to the eye than what you see. It's not just your neighbor that gets on your nerves. It's not just your boss that's always, no, it's, it's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem that's what? That's trying to divide us, that's trying to separate us because the enemy knows, the devil knows if he can separate humanity, then we lose our power. We lose our ability to overcome. We lose our ability to bring true healing to the world around us. This is why he wants to separate us. This is why he wants to divide us. This battle is not against people. It's a spiritual battle. Why? Because we're spirit beings. Everything is spiritual. Our existence is spiritual. Why? Because God was spirit and he created us in his image. We are spirit. And it begins to tell us that if we want to overcome the, prob- overcome the problems that we're facing, that we have to obviously, like we would all say, the, how, do, how do we overcome the world? Well, we got to turn to God. God's the answer. Jesus is the answer. We need to pray. Right? And so it begins to tell us all of these things that, that, that we access by faith in, in this scripture. Battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's a spiritual battle. If you want to win the battle, you've got to access things that God has given you by faith, right? You've got to access truth. You've got to access peace, these things that God has given us by faith. What I find fascinating, though, is when he, when he, when he ends this conversation, this is, what he, this is what he says. He says, goodbye, friends. He says, love mixed with faith be yours from God the Father. Love mixed with faith be yours from God the Father. As humanity, as Christians, as believers, we are super comfortable with the faith part. When we say, what is the solution to racism? What is the solution to bigotry? What is the solution to, 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 to division within our homes and within our families and within our churches? What is the, the solution to, to suicide? What is the solution to self-harm? We say, we gotta turn to God, we gotta pray. We gotta look to Jesus, right? We, 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 we gotta do all these things. But, but my question is, at the end of all of our praying, at the end of us turning to God, at the end of us being on our knees and crying out, Jesus, would you please heal our land? Then what? 
Because there's a lot of people that pray big prayers. I mean, have you not cried, cried tears upon tears for that friend or that family member or that teenager that, 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 that took their own life because they felt unloved and unworthy because they were bullied at school? I was talking with an administrator the other day, and just this last year, at one high school, there were three suicides in one year. It's a problem. At the end of my prayers, at the end of turning to God, at the end of turning to Jesus, what am I going to do? There has to be action. That's why the scripture says it's not just faith. It's not just believing God. I'm going to have to mix love with my faith. There's going to have to be action. I'm going to have to set aside my idea of the way things should look. And I'm going to have to realize what? That you know what? We need each other. That this world, the same way that we bring restoration to disaster is the same way that we're going to put it into racism. Is the same way that we're going to put it into teen suicide. It's the same way we're going to put it into self-harm and division and hatred. We're going to have to get involved. We're going to have to lay, lay aside our arrows and acknowledge that we need each other. Have you ever thought about how God answers prayers? I mean, why, why do we need to love? Because when I love, I can't love without somebody to love. And why is that relevant? Have you thought about how God answers prayers? God answers prayers through people. God uses people to answer your prayers. You think, God, I just I asked God to give me a new job. Well, God didn't just shout down from heaven, you're hired. Right? No. What had to happen? Somebody had to hire you. God uses people to answer your prayers. If you go through situation after situation where you believe God for something, we are the hands of God. We are the feet of Jesus. We are the one who carry out messages on his behalf. We are the one who bring hope and healing and restoration. Have you ever thought about what if you were the answer to your own prayers? What if you were the answer to somebody else's prayers? What if this, this, this divisive, divisiveness that we wish, I wish things could end, I wish things could change, I wish, I wish that, that, that the world would just, what if we were the answer to the problems that we're facing? Ecclesiastes said it like, says it like this. It says, two are better than one because they have a more satisfying return on their label, labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to him is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, then they can keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? My point is this again, and I can't drive it home enough. We need each other. If we're going to be able to overcome in life, if we, if we want real answers to our prayers, if we really want to see things change, we're going to have to find a way that before we see disaster to acknowledge our need that right now in this moment, regardless if we believe the same way, regardless if we think the same way, regardless of our past or our present, we need each other. We need each other. So today, before we go, I want to, I want to talk about two things that I think are the biggest roadblocks from keeping us from immersing ourselves into community acknowledging our need for each other. I'm not just talking our need for each other as Christians. I'm talking about our need for each other as humanity. It's funny about my friend Eric that I met. As Eric wasn't a Christian, not a follower of Jesus. In that moment in my life, who did I need? I needed, I needed Eric. I needed him in the midst of all of his differences. And that's what I want to talk about. The first thing that I think separates the most is our differences. We're different. We don't see eye to eye. We don't agree on everything. We're just two different people trying to, 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 to exist and trying to do life together. And, and, and because we're so different, what we have the tendency to do, if we're all really, really honest, and I hope we can be that today, what we have the tendency to do is, is, is because we're different, rather than unite, we reject. 
And I think there's a couple reasons that we do. One, I think it's just, just insecurity, right? Maybe we look at somebody and they're just better at, better at certain things than us. They're more educated. They're more qualified. They make more money. And man, because we're, so, we're, we're different and because we're different and I see you as different, I'm just insecure. And I think so many of us are missing out on some of the great things that God wants to do in our lives just because of insecurity. We refuse to befriend people, to reach out to people that are different from us. Why? Because we're intimidated, because we're insecure. I believe that some of us are missing out on one great, we're one great relationship away from being able to start that business venture that you've always wanted to start. I think we're one great relationship away from seeing God doing incredible things in your family. And if we're ever going to see those things happen, we have to be willing to lay aside our insecurities that cause us to reject our fellow man and instead embrace each other that just because I think that you are better than me does not make you better than me. And I need you. I need you all the same. The second thing is I think because we don't understand. We don't understand. I don't understand how you could think that lifestyle is appropriate. I don't understand how you think those decisions that you're making in life are the smart ones. I don't understand it because we don't see eye to eye. We don't understand each other. We begin to fear because we always fear what we don't understand. And because of that, we reject. Instead of just, 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 just you know, okay, we, don't, we disagree. What we allow is we allow our differences to be the thing that divides us and separates us. Because for us, we see differences as our weakness. We see differences as our weakness. What I want to talk about today is I don't think our differences are our weakness. I actually think that our differences are our strength. When I needed to get home from Seattle, I did not need somebody who was like me. Somebody who is like, like me. One, I don't even know that there's a rideshare area on Craigslist. Number two, I don't pick up hitchhikers. I'm not going to be driving a stranger. Like I said, much less, uh, you know, I'm not even going to drive, probably drive a friend like 40 miles out, out, out of the way. I didn't need somebody like me. I needed somebody that was different than me. Think about a, a doctor, right? Doc, and we like to do this, especially like as it pertains to our profession. We just stick with our kind, right? Just hang out with people that are just like us, right? We think, we think it's smart. We find safety in these things. Think about a group of doctors hanging out together. And we've all been educated. We all have a lot of, a lot of money. And we look down on other people. And we look at other people. That's, that's great. You know, they do that. Like, look at, look at the, the plumbers. Like, they're really great, but they're not quite as educated as us. You know, they didn't have to go to school as long. They don't make as much money. But, you know, it's okay because we'll, we'll go play golf together and do our thing. And we're, we're more important until what? Until the toilet breaks or the faucet springs a leak. Right? In that moment, the doctor doesn't need a doctor, friend. The doctor needs who? A plumber. Our differences are not our weaknesses. Our differences are our strength. Why? Because change is born where differences are found. Change is born where differences are found. Think about this great country that enables you to have an opinion on Facebook or Twitter. Right? So you can actually share what I'm thinking. Well, I don't think that that's right. I think, you know why? It's because you live in the United States of America. You know how the United States of America was formed? It's not because everybody was the same. It's because people were fed up with the new policies that Britain was creating. And somebody said, you know what? We're going to start our own thing. We're going to start the United States of America. What, what, what am I communicating? It was, it was differences that put us in the place of freedom that we have today. And for years, we continue year after year to allow our differences to separate us. What if we could learn to celebrate diversity? What if we can learn to celebrate the fact that your opinion is different than me, but it's not going to divide us and God's going to somehow use it to push life forward? Because let me let everybody in on a little secret, okay? Here's, here's a little secret. I'm going to let you in. You may have never thought about this. We're all wrong about something. We're all wrong about something. You can't be right about everything. 
I mean, it just cracks me up. I mean, especially in, in the church world. I mean, there's tons and hundreds of thousands of different churches and everything. Well, this is, this is what God says, and this is what he means. We're all reading the same Bible, have a million different opinions. Here's the, here's the, well, we're all wrong about something. What if life wasn't about being right? What if life was about trusting God and loving each other and letting God work out the rest? Huh? At some point, we're going to have to realize we do not know it all. We're going to have to be willing to lay down our weapons and lay down our arrows and, and stop just, man, it just, it just has to be our way or no way at all. God, God in his grace and mercy has his own way if we will learn to love each other and to trust him and realize, you know what, I don't have to be right to see progress in my life and I don't have to be right to love my brother and I don't have to be right to love my neighbor and I don't have to be right to love my child and I don't have to be right to love my sister. I don't have to be right to love my church. I'm going to do my best to trust God. I'm going to try to follow him, but I'm going to leave it up to God. God to decide the rest. We have to live our lives with conviction. We have to live our lives based on, man, I'm doing my best to follow God. But let's not forget that whether there's something we're going to be wrong about. This is what I think heaven's going to be like. I think heaven's going to be like, we're going to get to heaven. We're going to open our eyes and we'll be like, oh, <laughs> like everything that I, I thought it was one way, but, but it's actually another way. And God in his greatness, God in his mercy somehow makes sense of it all. We need each other. We got to be willing to set our differences aside. In the book of Colossians, it says this, every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. It says this, all the old fashions are now obsolete. In other words, he's going to describe a bunch of differences, things that would separate us. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, safe, slave and free. They mean nothing. All of our differences, now they mean nothing. From now on, Everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So chosen by God for this new life of what? Love, action. This is what he says. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Not a, not a wardrobe of proving that you're right. This is what the wardrobe is. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. It says be even-tempered, content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on. In other words, you're going to live your life. You're going to think your thoughts. You're going to have your way. You're going to have your perspective. Regardless of all that, make sure you wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other. In step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. We need each other. We have to be willing to set, set aside our differences and realize they don't have to be our greatest weakness as a nation, as a community, as a church, as a family. We can allow our differences to actually be our greatest strength. The second thing I think that, that keeps us from acknowledging our need from each other, from missing it just in the busyness of our life, is, is our hurt. We get wounded, and this is, this is part of, I guess, in reality, the human experience. I think that I could pass around the microphone and I don't think there would be one person in any of our environments today that would say that I've never been hurt in my life. Yet so much of the time, even though we know hurt is a part of life, we allow hurt to be the thing that stops us from reaching out to people that are around us. Here's the thing about holding on to hurt. Holding on to hurt doesn't heal you. And in our lives, when we're wounded, sometimes the easiest thing to do, you may hurt me once, but you're not going to hurt me again. What do we do? We build up these walls. We build up these things to, to really protect ourselves. But the problem with that is, is God uses people to answer prayer. 
So if I really want my prayers answered, I'm, I'm gonna have to refuse to hold on to hurt. When I hold on to hurt, I cannot heal. When I hold on to hurt, I'm always going to reject people. When I reject people, I can spend hours upon hours asking God to do great things in my life, but if I don't ever let somebody in, my prayers can't be answered. God can't get to me the things that he wants to get to me. So when it comes to this, Matthew 5, I'm going to say it like this. I'm just going to read what the Bible says because it's strong. And if I said it like this, you'd be like, wow, that's kind of mean. But, but the Bible says it, so hopefully that'll make it okay. Here's what it says. Here's another old saying that deserves a second look. Okay, God's speaking to us. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Is that really going to get us anywhere? God says this. Here's what I propose. <laughs> Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into court and sues you for the shirt off your back, don't just give them the shirt. He says, gift wrap your best coat and make it a present. What? And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, not just advantage, if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. That's what he says. No more tit for tat stuff. Instead, live generously. He says, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. God says, I'm actually challenging that. This is what God says. People that have hurt us, people that have wounded us. This is what God says. I'm telling you to love your enemies. In fact, let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, (laughs) respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out your true selves. Well, I thought, I thought I'm working out my true selves when I just respond with what I feel. When I really give them a piece of my mind and make them pay for the things that they, that's, 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 God says that's not your true self. God says when somebody gives me a hard time, when I respond, instead of just, just, just giving it back to them, instead when I respond with the energies of prayer, turning the situation over, the, over to God and, and, and getting it out of my hands, it's then and only then am I working out my true self. So working out your true self. He says this, your God created selves. I love this part. This is what God does. (laughs) The ultimate reminder, right? This is what God does with us. He gives his best. What What is it talking about? The sun to warm and the rain to nourish. He gives the sun and the rain, but he gives it to everyone regardless. He gives it to the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. This is fascinating. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying, God says, this is what God says. In a word, what I'm saying to you is grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. Is this not the ultimate reminder? I mean, I get it. I'm human too. I mean, there's, there's so much of the time I don't respond, respond the right way. But if we could ever slow down and realize what it is that God does for us, the fact that he offers us healing when we don't deserve it, the fact that if God was standing here today as a person and I evaluated all the times, all the things that I've done that could have hurt him, and that he still offers me complete love and acceptance and forgiveness. This is the life that we're called to live. If we, do you want your prayers answered? 
I mean, the past 21 days as we've, we've, we've petitioned God and asked for his involvement in our life, the only way that our prayers get, get answers is if people get involved, if we get involved, if we extend ourselves beyond ourselves because God answers prayers through people. I gotta be willing to lay my hurt aside. Here's the thing. If you live long enough, you're gonna get hurt by someone. It's part of being, being human. You live long enough, you're gonna get hurt by someone. You know the flip side of that coin is true? If you live long enough, you're going to hurt someone. You've probably, you've, you've, you've hurt people. I've hurt people. Why? Because we're human. We're broken. This is what we do. But God is greater than the hurts that we have faced. God is greater than the inflictions that we have taken on. And God is greater than the pains that we have caused others. We have to be willing to not allow darkness in, in, in all of its, its power that is so insufficient to allow it to keep us from, from acknowledging our need for each other. We have to be willing, and you probably heard this statement, we gotta be willing to build bridges, not walls. Instead of allowing our differences and our hurts to pile up stones that suddenly in our lives make us think that we do not need each other, I have to be willing to build bridges. Yeah, we may not be able to be friends today. Yeah, there may be pain that we gotta work through, but I'm committed to you to work through it. I'm not just gonna write you off. I'm not just gonna scratch you out of my book. I'm gonna build a bridge and I'm not gonna burn it. I'm gonna leave a way for God to bring hope and to bring healing, that he can bring restoration rather than building a wall that rejects the very person, the very thing that God is trying to use to get an answer to me. We need each other. We need each other. In your life, refuse to repay evil with evil. Instead, repay evil with good. What am I talking about? I I have seen this modeled for me as a kid growing up with my parents. And and sometimes as a kid, I mean, you, you you don't even realize how much you're taking in. Parents, you don't realize how much your kids are taking in, even at the age they are now. And I, I remember at the, the start of, of, of the church, the start of celebration, we only had a couple hundred people in the church. We, we were a smaller church. And uh, I remember one time in particular, we had, we had like staff pastors, people that were, were influencers, influencers in the church that my dad had given places of like authority to, like they were going to be pastors, associate pastors and such in the church. And I remember this one time, uh, they decided they were going to leave the church. And this happens. It's just, just it's part of church. And, and so they were going to leave the church, but they didn't just leave the church and like go on their way. Instead, back in the day, what we used to have to these things, these things called directories. And directories were like, you know, like you have a phone book and your phone. Well, these were like printed phone books and of all the people that attended the church. So you had names and phone numbers of everybody that called Celebration their home church. And so what these people did is when they left the church, our small little church, they took the, the, the directories and they called every single person in the directory and said, hey, we're starting our own church. We think it would be really good if you came, came with us and left Celebration and, and come to be a part of what we're doing. And you know what I watched my dad do? In a moment where he could have seen that evil and said, you know, I'm going to get you back for that. He could have picked up the phone and called everybody and listen, here's what they're doing. Let me just set the, set the account straight and just set the record straight and tell you what's really going on here. He could have, he could have been, 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 been vindictive and he could have gone after him. You know what he did? He loaded up my family in the car. It was around Christmas time. And we went to the, to the store and my dad bought him all these Christmas baskets, these really nice Christmas baskets. And he took a pen and a card, and instead of, of, of going after him, he wrote him a note and said, hey, I just want to thank you for your investment of ce- in celebration all the time that you were here. We believe we saw great change as a result of your influence. I want to thank you, and I want to celebrate you. Don't repay evil with evil. Instead, do what God does with us and repay evil with good. We need each other. 
In the midst of our differences, in the midst of our hurt, we can't move forward unless we set aside our stones, unless we set aside our arrows and unite our hands together, unite our hearts together, unite our arms together, and realize that we're better together. We're better together. Ephesians 6. Love mixed with faith be yours from God the Father. This is what I pray for you today. That as we leave this space together, that it wouldn't just, we wouldn't just be great people of faith. We'd also be great people of love. Love, action. Action. Even for people that are different than us. Even for people that don't believe the same way that we do. Our hearts will be so full with love and compassion just the way God's heart is so full of love and compassion for me. Where would you be without God's love? All the times that you knew better and still did wrong, and he said, it's not over. Get back up. Let's try again. You're going to be somebody. I'm not through with you. I know you did something you shouldn't have done, but I'm not through with you. It's not over. So thankful for God's grace and God's mercy. It never fails. I want to be more like that. I want our community to be more like that. We want to see an end to racism. We want to see an end to hate. We want to see an end to all of the things that we're facing, an end to to the things that are tearing our nation apart. We're going to have to do it together. I love this quote, and this is we'll kind of end with this. The quote says like this, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on the world. And yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. It's us. It's us. Huh? Is there an answer to the pains that our world is facing? Is there an answer to the things that you're facing? Yeah. It's us. It's us to be willing to not just wait till disaster strikes to acknowledge our need for one another. I need you. I need you. In your broken state, in my broken state, I need you to need me. We need each other. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're imperfect together, but we need each other. We want healing in our land. If we're tired of seeing brokenness, if we're tired of seeing people take their lives when they didn't have to, we're tired of people not seeing their word, we're tired of, of all of the things that we're seeing, we're the answer. We got to pull together. We got to trust God. We got to move past there. We got to believe in Jesus. We got to pray, but we got to take action. We got to love each other. We got to be willing to take the risk of immersing ourselves in community. For the sake of God being able to bring healing to our life. Because here's the thing. There's things that God needs you to do that he can't do. God cannot hug a grieving mother who's just lost her child. But you can. God cannot wipe the tears of a teenager who's being bullied at school and doesn't know their worth. A female who's made fun of because she's too masculine. Or a male who's made fun of because he's too feminine. He cannot wipe their tears from their eyes. But you can. God needs you. God needs us. God needs us. He needs us to to listen better. He needs us to spend more time with each other. He needs us to be willing to set aside our agendas for the sake of allowing healing to happen in the world around us. There's things that God cannot do that he needs you to do. 
God cannot sit at a table with an African-American mom and dad who's afraid for their lives of their kids as they go out to school or they go out with friends because of the nature of the society that we live in and the bigotry and the hatred. He cannot sit and have a compassionate conversation and listen and encourage and look them in the eye and say, I'm with you. We're going to put an end to this. But you can. You can. You can. I can. It's time we wake up. It's time we, we grow up. Set aside all these things that we think matters. They don't matter. Being right doesn't matter. It matters is that we could unite our arms and look to our great God. Join our hearts and acknowledge that we need, we need, we need each other. We need each other. Well, would you stand with me all across our auditoriums at all of our campuses? I'm going to ask us to do one more thing before we go. I'm going to ask you to do the thing that everybody hates to do in church unless you're a teenager sitting by your crush. I'm going to ask you to hold hands with the person next to you. And I want this in this moment to be a declaration. I want this to be a declaration to our church. If you call celebration your church home, I need you, need you to know something. We are determined to do life, not on our own, not individually, but united as one together. And in this space, I want this to be a declaration that when we come through these doors, we set aside our differences. We set aside our politics. We set aside our way of thinking. We set aside all of the things that, that divide us. And in this place, we're family. In this place, we'll weep with each other. In this place, we'll cry with each other. In this place, we'll encourage each other. We'll build each other up. We will not tear each other down. And in this moment, in every single environment, right here in Clovis, there in Madeira, in Fresno, we're going to take a second. We just want us to close our eyes. I'm going to sing a song. I'm just going to declare it over this place. I ask you that you would unite your heart together with it. God, we just ask that you would do what only you can do in this environment and in this space. You would show us how to lay down our arrows and join our hearts together. God, we need you. We need you in our world. We sing this song. I sing this song as a declaration that our church, we will fight. We will fight past our differences and past our hurts, heart hurts to unite our hearts as one. We declare it in this place today. Lord, bring us together with one heart, one mind, and one voice. Lord, bring us together in spirit. We hear it. We make the choice. And Lord, we agree together. And Lord, we agree in one accord. I believe God is healing hearts. Lord, we agree forever. God, let your kingdom come.
let your kingdom come. God, it's our declaration and our prayer. Oh, and let your will be done in us. It's our prayer today, God. Today in this place, maybe you've never made a decision to place your faith in Christ. You're living your life alone. Life alone is hard. Life alone is tough. Life alone is desolate. The Bible says, though, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe you've never made a decision really to embrace a new family. It doesn't matter what family you've grown up in. There's a new family, the family of God whose arms are open wide. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter how you believe or what you're currently going through. God is for you, and you have a family here for you today. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to make a decision to place your faith in Christ, to secure your eternity in heaven, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And us standing here at all of our campuses, we're going to pray together because we're a family and nobody prays alone. With great passion, can we pray this together as a church family? Say it out loud. Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart. And I confess out of my mouth that you are the Son of God. I believe that you live for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you came back from the dead for me. Today, I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. And I say this. Say, Jesus. Thanks for placing me in a family. Pray these things. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Put our hands together and celebrate with everyone that prayed that prayer today. Wow. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.